Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Doc Tales. We are here with Ken and Karen Stark. They are aboard Island Girl and they are gold loopers. They're on their second time around, if I'm not mistaken about that. Um, and they are joining us today from the loop. So for those of you who are new to joining us for Doc Tales, we do this at the traditional Doc Tales time of the day, which is when many loopers have tied up at the marina or sometimes at an anchorage and are sharing Doc Tales, their favorite beverage, along with some stories of the day. So since we're doing this virtually, hopefully you all have your favorite beverage with you and we're sharing Doc Tales with a T-A-L-E-S as in stories of the loop. So we love to bring in some of our gold loopers and let them give us all some of their stories as well as some tips and information and just share details about the Great Loop. So Ken and Karen are coming to us from the Hudson and the Wi-Fi where they are is not great. So they're coming to us with a cell signal. Seems to be doing okay but just bear with us if we have any small momentary glitches while their cell signal catches up with them. So Karen and Ken, thanks for being here with me. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been fun I, because I got to see you when you were in Charleston a month or so ago and then saw you again in St. Michael's when we did the in-person docktails and looper crawl. So I feel like I've been able to follow along with you <laughs> as you're heading up the East Coast. Um, so tell us where you are now. We are in Kingston, New York on the Hudson River. So we're probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred miles from starting the Erie Canal. So we were in New York City a few days ago and just working our way up the Hudson and it's rainy and thunderstormy the last couple of days. <laughs> well, that, that the rainy and thunderstorming isn't fun, um, <laughs> no. but hopefully that'll clear up. I know I've spoken to a few members in Canada over the last couple of days, and they've been telling me how hot it is. So hopefully the, the rain is oh. at least keeping some of that heat at bay for you. No, it has been really <laughs> hot. I think it was 95 today before the thunderstorm. This reminds us wow. a lot of being in Florida. Florida. <laughs> you know, the cell just comes in the afternoon, and you get rain and thunder and lightning. and Then it clears up, and it's really, really humid again. <laughs> So you are coming to us today from aboard Island Girl, where you spent a lot of time over the past few years. So tell us, let's start off with, tell us about Island Girl. What kind of boat is she? Um, what made you choose her for the loop and stick with her for this time? Uh, she's a 3988 Bayliner. And for those of you Bayliner haters out there, we did it <laughs> once and nobody died. <laughs> uh, and we're doing it again. Um, We've had her since uh, 2015. Yeah, we bought her way before we even knew we were going to do the loop. Yeah. And so what else you want to know? <laughs> um, well, tell, tell us, so you bought her before you knew you were going to do the loop, but obviously you've had her for quite a while now. And you did mention Bayliner haters, and I think they get a bad rap uh, somewhat because of some of the smaller Bayliners. Yes, yes, um, yes. But tell us a little bit about, you know, what you love about yours and, and why you think that they sometimes just the, the name, the brand Bayliner gets a bad rap. Uh, you're right. Uh, the early the early versions of the Bayliners got a bad rap. Uh, they were the entry-level boat. And people thought that once they bought the boat that that was all they ever had to do to them. And uh, they fell apart. You know, they left them parked in the backyard, filled full of water on a trailer, and they fell apart. Um, the, the, the motor yachts are a, a, a pretty quality boat, really bang for the buck. I mean, uh, on the East Coast, um, we paid about $80,000 for this boat. Uh, you compare it to a main ship, we've got a lot more interior space. Uh, we've got the twin diesels. The boat will do nine miles an hour. It'll do 20 miles an hour. 
it'll top out uh, 26 knots, roughly. Um, we ran all the way from Cape May up to uh, Atlantic Highlands in seven hours, dock to dock, up in the Atlantic when we made the trip up, you know, which you really can't do in a single engine trawler. <laughs> uh, we did pay for it today when we went to the fuel dock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice to be able to do that because we had one perfect, beautiful, flat sea day. So we mm -hmm. just, you know, put it, put it, pedal to the metal. Because the next day wasn't looking good. Yeah. <laughs> right. So tell it, you know, weather aside, you know, when you're kind of uh -huh. going at your normal cruising pace, what, because you do have a go fast boat, but what, what is your typical cruising speed while you're looping? Or is there one? Eight, eight knots, nine mm -hmm. miles an hour, you know, mm -hmm. uh, roughly right around in there. We, we cruise with everybody else. I mean. Um, we go fast a lot, but in the big, you know, Albemarle Sound, things like that, you know, you just want to get it done and, you know. Yeah, I think our average speed overall for the eight months that we took to do the 2018 loop was less than nine miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Overall. Because so there's not a lot boat. of you can do it. You, you really can't mm -hmm. go fast. The wake is terrible and, you know, you, you just can't. So... We just, we, for the most part, trawler speed, the boat gets mm -hmm. about two miles of the gallon back at the average over two miles a gallon on the 6,000 mile route in 18. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's go fast, go slow, you know, go really slow in the canals <laughs> in the dismal swamp. <laughs> right. So do you know, uh, you know, kind of on average or ballpark, what the difference in your fuel consumption is when you're going at trawler speed or eight knots versus if you're really putting her up on a plane? Um, yeah, it, it burns, it's got twin five, nine Cummins in it and it burns around four gallons an hour at nine miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It, but, and, and this sounds really strange and it, you would say, well, man, that's ridiculous. But at 20, it, it, it burned 22 gallons an hour going 20. <laughs> so when you do the math, um, it works out to about one mile of the, uh, to the gallon or two miles to the gallon, one or the other. So half the fuel bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, depending on which, yeah. which way you're doing that math, but um, right. it does. Sure. And that can be significant, but there certainly are many who prefer a go fast boat to spend a little bit extra on the fuel in situations like you just experienced where you, you know, chose to do that right. to put that extra distance uh, in while you had some good weather. So certainly gives you some flexibility and some options. Um, for those of you watching us on Facebook, you are more than welcome to post some comments. If you post them in the Facebook comments, Ken and Karen and I will see those here where we are, um, and we can answer those for you. So feel free to comment or to ask questions, and we'd be happy to field those as we see them. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your first loop, uh, 2018. You mentioned eight months. Tell us a little bit, you know, where you started um, and and what what made you decide eight months was the right time frame? Because that's one of the, the biggest questions next to what kind of boat is, is how long will right. it take? And of course, yeah. everybody's different and that's a hard question to answer. So tell us about your eight month loop. Right. I think that the, the uh, length of time that it takes you depends a lot upon when you start or where you start, I should say, because we live in Florida. So we started mid-March because to start any earlier than that, to come up the Atlantic coast would be too cold. It was cold anyway, but 
we started in mid-March. And so, you know, the regular progression of the loop is up the Atlantic in the spring, across the Great Lakes in the summer, and down the rivers in the fall. And then you spend the winter in the summer, the winter in Florida or the Bahamas, but that's where we live. So we got back home about Thanksgiving. So it was just right at eight months and we didn't have to figure out what to do with the four months of winter because we were home. Right. Well, that of course makes sense. Um, we've got a shout out to you from the grandbabies. Hi to uh, grandma and grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Hi babies. <laughs> and actually I'm glad that they have joined us and posted because that's another thing folks wonder a lot is, you know, once they leave for the loop and once they're living this somewhat nomadic lifestyle, how hard is that for those who are grandparents and want to see those grandbabies? Of course, we're in the digital age, so the grandbabies are seeing you on Facebook today. But um, how did all? How do you work that out, and how often do you manage to get together with them face to face? When we did the 2018 loop, we didn't have those triplets that you just saw on there. Wow, triplets! Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a story. But um, <laughs> we were in Carabelle getting ready to do the crossing the Gulf crossing to come home. And I got the call from her and says, mom, you better sit down. I have some news. <laughs> but anyway, wow. um, so we didn't go home to see anybody or anything on wow. our first loop. And when we got back home in November, we said that was too long. We don't want to do that again. So this year um, I've been doing FaceTimes and so on with the grandbabies and mm -hmm. texting with the kids more often. And we are, in fact, leaving our boat next week at Shady Harbor in New York and flying to Washington State to see the family for a week. Mm -hmm. Our oldest granddaughter is graduating from high school, and so we wanted to be there for that. Nice. And we also have a, a hi from Rick and Rock in the Pacific Northwest. Well, they were actually on our boat in Canada last year doing... Well, and in 18. In 18. Yeah. In 18. We're on the first loop, they joined us for 10 days. They're our boating friends in the Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So um, you're out there again. You're on your second loop. What made you decide, you know, you, you've got the boat, you're living in Florida. What made you decide it was time to set out and, and do it again? Well, you can only go to the Keys so many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bahamas was impossible this year. And of course, with the pandemic, it was like, uh, it's just time to go. It's, it's, you, you just have to get out and go. Yeah. And so we, we said, well, what do you think about doing the loop? We thought about doing the loop, uh, during the pandemic and that shut it down. So this year it was like that. And they said, we, we, we decided we could get through the West area. We can take mm -hmm. stuff off the radar arch so we can go that way. We want to do Lake Champlain and the Rideau, but you know, this is not going to happen this year. So not to say it'll never happen because we might do it, do it again. Who knows? You but never know. Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, uh, it more or less the pandemic and just being cooped up and not being able to move and, and go mm -hmm. when you want to go. And it just, uh, you know, when things opened up, it was just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Now your, your home port is Southwest Florida, correct? Yeah, Sarasota. Sarasota, south of Tampa. Mm -hmm. So on this trip around, um, when did you leave Sarasota? Around the 17th of March, so mid-March again. Okay. So and so in 
almost three months or so. Um, you've gone, I'm rough guessing right now, but 2,500 or so miles. So that's not about right. I don't think it's that far yet. Not quite. But yeah. Maybe okay. Um, but so, yeah. One of the really unique perspectives I think you can bring for everyone who is out there contemplating getting started on the loop um, and those who perhaps are, you know, just getting started, you've been around once and now you're doing it again in this kind of very different time for looping. So you really bring a, an interesting perspective with the ability to compare how things are. And one of the biggest questions we got, particularly last year from those who were still trying to loop even though a lot more was shut down this time last year, um, was how is the social aspect working? And it was impossible to answer at that point. And, and then it was, it was you know, there weren't nearly as many boats out there. Um, so lots of questions surrounding that as that has started up this year. So with a few months um, on this loop and, and 2,000 or so miles, um, and I think it's changed even since I saw you in Charleston. But when yeah. I saw you in Charleston, you were saying, you know, it, it was still... There's still a lot of caution happening. Um, tell us what you were finding, you know, from Sarasota to Charleston about people being cautious and what you think the reasons for that were. Well, I think with the pandemic for over a year, we've been conditioned to stay distance from each other. Mm -hmm. And that's carrying on, I think, in all of our aspects of life is that we don't approach people because we've been conditioned for a year and a half not to. So our, the first couple of months of the loop, we saw very few loopers. Um, of course, on the docks. Yeah, on the docks. So we've got the burgee on the front of the boat. And in 2018, you know, if you saw that uh, boat coming in with that burgee on, you go out and greet them and catch lines and, you know, and, and help. And help, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes too much help, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, and talk to each other and where are you from and how's it going and everything. And the first part of this loop, there was none of that. I think people are just afraid not to, you know, they don't want to approach because they've been conditioned not to. But our perspective is, for the most part, the people who are out here doing this are not the overly cautious, I'm going to stay in my home kind of people. And so you can go out and catch lines or whatever. And if people don't want you around, they're going to tell you. But for the most part, if you want to get together, you just offer. And if people want to, they will. And I think we're seeing that more and yeah, more now I as we've moved. As, as we moved up here, came out of the uh, out of the Chesapeake and and, you know, with the CDC, you know, taking the mandatory mm -hmm. mask laws outside away, you know, uh, and more I think people vaccinated. and more people vaccinated. I think that it's really made a, a, a difference. But mm -hmm. people have been conditioned for a year to just just not approach other people and definitely yeah. not shake hands or right. hug or anything right. like that, you know, and. Uh, so different from the first from mm -hmm. the first time around. Uh, what we're seeing now, uh, being up here uh, the last few weeks anyway, is we've run into some gold loopers, and we've kind of taken it upon ourselves, and they have to try to you know have docktails and have get-togethers and go knock on boats and exchange boat cards and invite people and tell them 
you know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> for us, our most memorable experiences of the entire loop are related to people. Yeah. People mm-hmm. we've met and we have, I'm what will be lifelong friends that we met on the loop and continue to get together with them whenever we can. And it's those relationships that really made us want to do it again. Yeah. Well, we miss those people because they're not with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and I'm glad to hear you say that, though, because um, it, I, I really do think people are being cautious at this point more out of respect for others than out of concern yeah. for mm-hmm. themselves. Right. Um, yes. So when we talked in Charleston, I kind of, you know, you were trying to figure out, trying to, you know, navigate that, so to speak, is how to let people know you're, you know, you're out there because you're okay with being public and, yeah. and, and you know, that right. you're willing to help each other just as has traditionally been in the loop. So I'm glad to hear that's kind of changing. And, you know, in St. Michael's a few weeks ago, we kind of um, debated that event. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and we kind of thought, will people be comfortable coming? And, and okay, it's, it's an outside event, but once you start to board boats, you are inside and, you know, will people be comfortable boarding boats when they're in more confined spaces? And will people even be comfortable opening their boats, which is a huge, you know, looper tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ken and Karen were, were some of the first to sign up and say, yep, we'll, we'll come, we'll open our boat. And then they found out the Blue Angels were the same day and uh, they still said, we'll, st- we'll still come. <laughs> Even though that's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. And if I was them, I probably would have opted for the Blue Angels <laughs> if I had the option. <laughs> um, but so we appreciate you stepping up and, and, you know, being gold loopers and saying, yep, we're, we'll be there. We'll open our boat. And it was a successful event. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that people kind of started getting that, that they're comfortable and still staying safe because above all, we want everyone to be safe, whether it's from COVID or just general boating safety. Um, yes. but it's nice to hear that people are out there and, and getting back to the social aspect safely. And it, and it was, I mean, the, the looper crawl was kind of, I think the turning point is we saw of people thinking it was realizing it was okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. it's not just okay as a looper. It's, it's expected. <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> right. Right. So, so you've continued on since then, as we've said, um, you're now on the Hudson. Um, of course, the big question mark still for this season is the U S Canadian border, which remains closed at least until June 21st. Um, so you mentioned Island Girl has the ability to, you can drop some things and get under the 15 foot bridge requirement for the Western Erie Canal. Well, we'll so, see go underneath that last bridge. <laughs> what, what's still up there? <laughs> so from what you're seeing out there, are most people, you know, what's, are, are people still questioning, well, maybe we'll be able to go to Canada or are they making firm plans and, and any um, empirical data on how many people think that they can get through the Western area and how many are headed for the Welland? I think everybody has a plan, but mm-hmm. Canada is a contingency plan if it opens in the next, like the June 21st date. You know, or July 1, somewhere yeah. around there. Uh, I think I think a lot of people will turn right because mm-hmm. they want to go there. Yeah. If they'll let them in, they want to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bigger boats um, are going to do the well in, unless they can do Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of bigger boats. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that are going to do the well in, but I would say a majority are 
uh, trawlers that are going to drop the mast and, uh, you know, take things off like we are and, and, and do the West. And we had made the decision that even if Canada opened once we decided to do the West Erie, it's the, it's the route less traveled by everybody. And we were going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you did do Canada your first time around. We yeah, did. we did. And enjoyed the Trent, Severn. Uh, we're from Washington State originally. And uh, what you find in Georgia Bay for me and, and North Channel, it's beautiful but it's rocks and trees. And uh, I grew up with that in the San Juan Islands and the Puget Sound. And it was like, this is like being home. You know, I don't really yeah. think I need to do it again, but I understand why people want to do it. It is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. But speaking of that, there is the option that if you can do the Eastern Erie and go up Oswego, cross Lake Ontario and stay on the New York side yes. of the Thousand Islands, in the St. Lawrence River and do Take that because it's gorgeous. Yeah. And it's very similar looking to the North Channel. And then you, if Canada doesn't open, you can come back down and go on to the Welland. But if there. it does, you're there. Yeah. You're right there at right. the border and you can cross and you'll be right on schedule if they open by June, July 1 or so. Right. Because the St. Lawrence River <laughs> down there um, around Clayton and uh, that, um, Alexandria Bay and where Bolt Capital is and all that stuff. That was some of our biggest surprise. And we'd never heard of it before being from the West Coast. And it was just beautiful. Yeah, it was. And that is what, you know, many people call that a highlight. So um, it is. It is. Yep. And Wendy Wilson, as we were just talking about you before, Wendy, I was saying how you did the very first one of these before we used this, uh, the the software that Kent and Karen and I are using today. We didn't get the interaction part. So <laughs> thanks for interacting, Wendy. Um, and yeah, Wendy did do a presentation. Um, and we saw it. Oh, webinar. That's right. Yeah. You, you all were there, but on the Western yeah. Erie and um, going on, you know, spending some time in the Thousand Islands. And, mm-hmm. and while we don't know if Canada will open, it's, it's looking slightly you know a little teeny bit more like there's some activity going on a couple of um credible news outlets i will say reporting without named sources um you know that discussions are happening and that perhaps the uh the problems or, or the damage it is doing to tourism is pretty extreme and that they should start to consider that and one of the things that you know again this is all I usually don't like to share things until I'm sure that they are true. But the unnamed sources um, are saying that there's some possibilities that Canada may look at um, a vaccination passport, as controversial as that is. And I'm certainly not speaking in favor or against that, um, because I think everybody's got to make their own decision on whether they want that vaccination. Um, But that is one thing that's being thrown out there a bit now um, that I previously hadn't heard a whole lot about is that um, perhaps Canada would have some options such as that. Or perhaps they would have some options, um, depending on your country, your home country. Um, all still up in the air. Certainly nothing set in stone. But it's nice to hear that there may be some discussions going on behind the scenes that may lead to an opening. Um, you know, I'd like to say sooner rather than later, but we still don't even know when that might be because if it gets as as Ken said, much past that July first date, it starts to get a little bit late. Um, for loopers to make it all the way through the Canadian portion of the route back out into the U S and, and the great lakes before the, the 
more challenging weather starts to set in. So typical time frame for most loopers entering Canada is right around July 1st, if they're going to do the Trent Severin. Um, you're there for Canada we, Day. We can't, we can't forget about all our looper friends up in Canada that want to come south. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and actually, it sounded like that, um, you know, if Canada does not, in fact, choose to start letting um, some recreational travel happen, it's possible that the U.S. may break from that. You know, it's been a reciprocal thing for the whole time. Right. Um, but some of the accounts I've been reading is that the U.S. may actually start to let people come in, even if Canada doesn't, which would be great for our Canadian members who would love yeah. to yeah. continue the U.S. And it would be great for some of our Canadian members whose boats have been stuck here for over a year <laughs> yes. now yeah. and yeah. really love to, you know, be able to continue the loop and get their boats back to Canada. So, um, you know, opening is uh, hopefully in the near future for both both countries. So it'll be interesting to see. But for the time being, um, anyone who is on Nebo, which is the app that AGLCA has adopted for members to, to help members locate one another on the water, knows there's a lot of boats out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you who don't have Nebo, it is a free app. Um, it does more than just help you find other loopers. It actually emails you a daily report of your travels. Um, there's some free webinars on the greatloop.org website about Nebo and how it works. Um, but one of the things uh, Ken, Karen, and I were discussing before we started is that if you look on Nebo right now in the area of pretty much anywhere from the Chesapeake on up to the Erie Canal, um, tons of boats out there. And it's a little bit disconcerting because you start to go, oh my gosh, is it really crowded out there? Is there dockage? So uh, what has been your experience on finding dockage as you've been traveling with um, a fairly large group of loopers? Uh, I don't think we've had any cases where we couldn't get a reservation before we wanted it. And I'm usually just making reservations the day before or maybe two days before our arrival. So it's not way far in advance because, you know, you never know what the weather's going to do. But we haven't had any issues yet. And it is nice to have Nebo because you can see who is where you're going. And you can just click on it and send them a message and ask them about stuff. In fact, I did that with somebody who was here yesterday. I Somebody I'd never met, but I saw them and I just sent them a message and asked, how is the Wi-Fi there? And they said, not good, but the cellular is good. And I said, okay, good. Well, I think we might be able to do this then. Well, and we thank you for being prepared for today. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really useful tool. And um, it's it's fun to be able to see who's coming uh, behind you that, you know, it's like, yay, there's our friends are coming in tomorrow, you know, or whatever. So it's, it's kind of a neat tool. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it, it is, it, it does appear crowded when you look at Nebo, it looks like there's a lot of boats out there. Um, at the same time, I've, we've never really had something like Nebo right. before. <laughs> um, so as Ken pointed out earlier, um, there's not much to compare it to. We had Nebo last year, but there were fewer people cruising. And I think we probably even had already adopted it in 2019. Um, but, it, you know, anything like that takes a little while to kind of roll out and catch on. So um, we also have, you know, we know we have shoreside members who use it. Um, Harbor hosts, for example, to kind of mark where they are and to look for other loopers coming yeah. into their area. So um, it's been a great tool and I don't want anybody to look on Nebo and think, oh my gosh, there's too many boats. We should just stay home. Um, and I, I think it might, normal. About, mm-hmm. it might be normal, uh, without having the ability to see it all in a normal year, 
Well, like um, in 2018. In 2018, you know? we didn't have it. You know, we had a few of us using it uh, in the beginning. And, uh, you know, so you didn't get an idea. It's just kind of overwhelming to see how many people are out there. But, but it, I think they always were here. We they were always here, it, I think. We just, didn't, we just yeah. didn't have the ability to see them. Yeah. I, I do think that that's it. And I do think that, um, you know, there may be a few more people out there, just natural growth of, of voting and growth over the pandemic with people yeah. having more interest in voting. Um, I'm not getting the impression that this year is particularly busy because people put it off last year. Um, and it's, it's nice to hear that from someone who's out there and kind of confirming um, that, you know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. Um, so talk to us a little bit, you know, you mentioned kind of at the beginning um, a little bit about the cost for Island Girl specifically. Um, at whatever level you're comfortable sharing, you know, what's your, if you're comfortable telling us, you know, roughly how much you spend per month or per week or even for a whole loop or what, you know, what's your impression? You know, there, there's a question. I don't, I don't know that we can answer this. The question that came through is, do you have to be rich to vote? And the answer to that is, is definitely no. Um, you know, we have our cost of looping calculator on our website mm -hmm. where members who have finished the loop, we ask if they've kept details on what they've spent to put that in there for others to search. And I've seen results in there from anywhere, you know, from $10,000 for the entire loop from somebody on a very fuel efficient sailboat who primarily <laughs> anchors out. Certainly possible, not everybody's style, um, but it's possible if that's something you enjoy. You know, we encourage everybody to do it in a way that is enjoyable for them. So tell us a little bit about how often, um, you know, a little bit about what you're comfortable sharing about costs and also a little bit about your cruising style, the parts of the cruising style that directly impact the cost. You know, we talked pretty extensively at the beginning about the fuel consumption. Um, and if, if anyone who's joined us now missed that, you can watch the replay. Um, and, you know, we kind of talked about how going faster is going to roughly, at least for Karen and Ken's boat, double the fuel cost for the same number of miles. Um, so that's a cruising preference. That's their choice to go fast um, when they want to. So that's one thing that's going to affect the cost. But another thing is certainly how frequently you pull into marinas versus how frequently you anchor out. So tell us, you know, again, I'm going around in circles a little bit, but a little bit about the cost that you're comfortable with and how the cruising style impacts that. I would say for us, one of our first things about doing the loop was actually talking to each other and thinking for ourselves, why do we want to do the loop? And that kind of helped set a baseline for what we wanted to get out of it. And we wanted to learn the history. We wanted to see the country and we wanted to meet people. And the best place to meet people is in marinas. And so for, for us, for us, marinas are by far our biggest cost, way more than fuel, because we're in a marina almost every night because that's our cruising style. That's what we're looking for is to be where the other people are and to see the town and to meet the local people. So I'll just, I'll start with that. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, rightly so. I mean, in 18, I think we were about $9,000 in fuel. Uh, we averaged like $3.05 a gallon. Uh, our boat is pretty economical for a twin. Uh, we can compete, uh, if we've got tide going with us or uh, current of any, anything, we can compete with a single engine trawler doing nine miles, doing eight knots. Mm -hmm. uh, not exactly, but not much under. 
and still have the ability to go fast, of course. Um, fuel costs about 9,000. I think uh, if I'd have to look at the paper, uh, look at the spreadsheet, but I think we were about 13,000 in Marina marinas. Nice. Marinas aren't cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, they get cheaper as you come up into this area here, as you go into the Erie Canal, a lot of free docks, a lot of uh, cheaper marinas. Uh, the East Coast is not cheap. Right. Uh, you can average a uh, buck 50 to three bucks a foot. I mean, depending on where you're staying. I think we only anchored out or had three walls, maybe 10% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not our deal. You know? Yeah, and that that's perfectly fine. Uh, you know, for that those who are, I can. And it's a it's a great way to save money to anchor out. Uh, no doubt about it. We also like air conditioning, so we like to be in the marina and plug in. When it's in. ninety in the summer, <laughs> I'm going to plug in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Mm -hmm. um, but I appreciate you sharing that because those who are curious about the costs. Um, some of the costs really are fairly controllable. And if your boat is equipped to safely and comfortably anchor and it's something yeah. that you enjoy, it can be a huge savings. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, that, and that's why this, when people ask the question, how much does it cost to do the loop? It's such a broad spectrum. Um, and of course, the size of the boat also affects the marina costs. Um, you're in a 388 bay liner, correct? Yeah, 39, 40, 40 foot. Yeah, yeah 40 foot. So 40 feet. Um, which is a, actually right about on the average for looper-sized yes. boats. Um, but, you know, it's it's 25 or 20% less than a 50-foot boat if you're docking. Right. Um, right. You know, the cost is 20% less than that 10 extra feet if you had a 50-foot boat. Um, and and you, you, you find out with the 50-foot boat that our fuel costs are probably 30% uh, better. They're 30% right. more than we are mm -hmm. to go that extra 10 feet. I mean, yeah, boat, so it's, it's, you know, it costs more to push the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've ever been aboard um, a, a bay liner like Karen and Ken have, it's a big, <laughs> comfortable boat. Um, it's not bad. So I, I don't, it, it works. I don't think many would think that they're sacrificing comfort on a 40 foot boat um, in any way. Right. Yeah, I think it's a good size to do it. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, like I said, we, we know people that have done it in the center console outboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, Cuddy Cabin, uh, way, or not a whaler, uh, maybe it was a whaler. Boston whaler. Boston mm -hmm. whaler. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the tugs, the American tugs are, are nice. The Ranger and tugs. The Ranger yeah. tugs <laughs> and uh, there's, there's a all, lot of them here. But, all sorts of sizes. Uh, I would have a hard time, and it's to each their preference. I would have a hard time on a 25-foot Ranger tug. <laughs> but to the people who can do it, that's yeah. their thing, and uh, that's it. it the loop done. is yours. Yeah. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, what I mean, that's exactly right. That's a great way uh, of saying it. Um, and we actually did have Mike and Sharon O'Malley, my oh, Sharona, yeah. uh -huh. um, who is the you know the twenty foot um, center console that yeah. did the loop, and they you know, and I always say Sharon is worthy of sainthood. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I would, um, uh, but. You know, and she didn't do the entire loop with Mike. She did most of it. Um, Mike, for those of you who didn't see that docktails, Mike um, looped in segments aboard that boat and would go back to work in between because he was not yet retired, still isn't retired. Um, and Sharon went along when she could. She also works. Um, and she had a blast, too. I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. And I think you really have to have that, you know, that fun spirit to do it on a 20-foot center console. But they loved every second of it. 
including, you know, the thunderstorms <laughs> that they get, yep. get caught in. Um, those are the memories, you know, I, and I always tell people when they're facing some challenges on the loop, like when the Erie Canal was um, Lock 17 just last week or the week before, um, you know, it seems kind of like this big obstacle at the time, but those become the stories um, that people that tend to share most. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in 2018, then, um, yes. it seems like every year has at least one big challenge. So what was in 2018? Were there any big weather obstacles or closures or anything that you had to deal with? Matthew. Hurricane Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had hit the panhandle of Florida just like three weeks before we got down there, I think. And so everything around Pensacola and um, Panama City were clo- was closed, mm-hmm. you know, and we were wondering, are we even going to be able to get through the ICW down there? And then we kind of you, you yeah. kind of had to take a step back and say, this is this is the worst thing we have to worry about. Can we find a place to stay? Yeah. Uh, those people went through a lot. Lost we're from their, Florida. We know. They lost you their know? homes. And, yeah, we kind of felt bad that we were worried about. Yeah, we're worried about, gee, will there, be a, will there be a marina to stay at? <laughs> no, there won't be. <laughs> no, there won't yeah. be. <laughs> and that's, you know, a, a lot of the obstacles that loopers face every year is part of the adventure. And that's a great attitude to have about it is, you know, if this is the biggest obstacle, we're good to go. Right. <laughs> and there certainly are some who have it worse. So um, Alex yeah. from Allison Lee is with us. Hi, Alex. Alex joins us for a lot of these. So it's hey, good to see you, Alex. And he's on Lake Champlain now. Uh, so um, I guess Alex either waiting for Canada to open or, or heading back south, which kind of um, <laughs> brings me to another question for Karen and Ken. You are um, on the Hudson, as we've said, you're with a pack of loopers. Um, some are continuing towards the Erie Canal. There's been a lot of talk this season of going to Maine, um, particularly be- because Canada is still looking very questionable and um, still lo- not looking real promising that loopers can go to Canada. Um, so Maine is a very popular option. So some of the boats that you're with, you are going to... Um, Go from the Hudson, have to go back south to get to Maine because they can't go out to the St. Lawrence Seaway. So, um, you know, you're in kind of a big group, at least looking at Nebo right now. But it sounds like everybody will be splitting up. You know, some will be heading for the Hudson and I'm sorry, for the Erie Canal and onto the Welland. Some all the way through the Erie, some back south, which is a little bit different kind of than normal. But so what's that buzz like? Is everybody talking about, you know, the different plans that they're making and, and deciding where to go next? I don't think there's a lot of people going to at this point. Well, that's until, until you look at Nebo, and there's a lot of people that went up, went up the the East River. Yeah, to so, Maine. To Maine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. most of them have peeled off already. If they're going that way, they've already. It's these gold and platinum people that just seem to think they have to go to the pig roast at, at Shady Harbor, you know? <laughs> yeah. and then they're going to turn around and go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and Alex is headed south to the Chesapeake, so that'll be a nice a nice yeah. summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how far on Lake Champlain you are, Alex, if you're headed for the pig roast, but the pig roast that Karen and Ken are heading for is at Donovan's Shady Harbor Marina on the Hudson. And and, uh, Brian Donovan and Kathy Donovan are sponsors, long-term sponsors of AGLCA. And right around this time every year, they have a big pig roast weekend for all of the loopers that are coming through. And I am sorry to be missing it. like a blast. Um, one of these years, my schedule will line up so that I can get there because I would love to join y'all. 
Um, and that's also, you know, it's become a, a big event. So that's also probably a large part of the reason that you're in a, a bit of a larger group right now. Yeah. Um, but you had, so there's all kinds of variations for those of you watching on Docktails. As you've noticed, we, this is slightly different than Docktails, the beverage. We do it with the, the tales, the stories. Um, there's been rock tales when people were in Georgian Bay. They've mm-hmm. sent me pictures yes. of having Docktails on the rocks. Um, there's been lock tales for people who have been stuck in a lock, enjoying yeah. some beverages, not the driver, um, but the, the others aboard waiting. Um, but we also, um, thanks to one of our, uh, gold loopers, Herb, um, there's porch tales <laughs> yeah. because Herb is from here in the South and has a big old back porch. Even in the South, we have our front porches mostly, but he's got a back porch on his boat, mm-hmm. um, and that has also kind of added to some of the social aspects. So how many loopers are are there? And I get I guess you moved on from where you are. Is Herb with you? Herb Can't remember if that was last night or today. Two boats in front of us right now at the dock. Yeah. Herb's yeah. two boats up with the with Phantom and um Terry Pat, Terry on Magic is behind Terry us. Terry and Dorothy oh. are behind us on Magic. But we just came yesterday from uh Half Moon Bay and Herb was mm-hmm. there and hosted a big porch tails on phantom yesterday and there were i think he said 13 boats represented at porch tails yesterday which was great and we had him in annapolis Uh, he was in eagle alley uh Mm -hmm. i think uh, overall we had about 50 people on (laughs) and off the boat and sitting on the Mm -hmm. sidewalk and uh you know trying not to tip the boat over (laughs) (laughs) he's a big champion for developing friendships and camaraderie on the loop um he's yes. just really an excellent host and encourager in that way yeah he is absolutely and um so how many boats um was it more than 13 boats that were actually at half moon bay last night yeah. i think there, there were was 16 i think so that yeah. were actually there but yeah. some people had brought their boat and they were flying home and left it there mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we had a car for a couple of days and we got up into upstate, uh, you know, got the other side of the river. It is gorgeous here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the drives are, uh, just absolutely gorgeous. The, the, yeah. the countryside, New big York hills, City. rocks, mm-hmm. mountains. I mean, it's gorgeous here. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's one of the bonuses of, of tying up in a marina and taking the opportunity yeah. to explore because there's a lot to see beyond just what you'll yes, see there is. on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what you're describing is not that unusual. 16 boats sounds like a lot. Um, you know, I remember 2017 at Trentport Marina, um, we had docktails and I, I think there were about 20 looper boats that pulled in that day. And it was right around, um, July 1st, which is, mm-hmm. is Canada day, of course. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were pulling it in there for the weekend. So, um, from your experiences on your first loop, kind of, you know, what's, typical now you know you're in kind of a group of 16 boats everybody hears about the social aspects um so from your experiences how frequently will all of those boats continue together how many will break off how often do you know those boating buddies uh travel together or is it just kind of it's we'll just all see what happens yeah it's very random i mean it sounds like we're in a group of 16 but we're not um, mm-hmm. There happened to be that many there at one time. At one time yesterday, but the day before, there might have been fifteen boats, but four of them were different. You know, right? So somebody yesterday coined it as um, loop frogging. You know, you're, <laughs> loop, 
you're loop frogging with other boats because there's a couple of boats that we met way back down in South Carolina and we've maybe seen them three or four times. No, you've seen them on Nebo. You didn't yeah. see, really see them. But you, you don't saw really, them on Nebo. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't really see them in the marinas all that often because for the most part, everybody's kind of doing their own thing and yeah. deciding which marina they're going to go to and how long they're going to stay. And so, you know, it's rare that you are with the same boat very long unless you do it intentionally. Yeah, I love the 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 loop frogging. I have not yeah. heard that. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it really but it, does describe it perfectly. It does. <laughs> but it really is. Um, uh, you know, in eighteen, we would we would meet people, and then we we got clear around into the lakes, and we were meeting all these new boats. And it's got where did these people come from? I know we met everybody. <laughs> no, we haven't met everybody because you you just don't because everybody goes someplace different. Uh, we, we talked about coming uh, out of the Keys or, or coming from our place across Okeechobee and starting up the East Coast. And, well, the ICW is kind of, you know, a, a narrow. You, you, you figure out that there's not a whole lot of places to go. We tried this year to go to a lot of the out-of-the-way places that kind of off the beaten path, the 25-mile trips to somewhere else. And it, it has been spectacular. The small towns. Mm-hmm. to kind of bring you back to being when, when I was a kid, I grew up in a town of 1100 people. So mm-hmm. going to these little towns that haven't changed, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so you, you just, you just go and uh, you just, uh, but when we got into the Chesapeake, everybody goes like this. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. And, so- and everybody disappears. And then you get back up here and it's like, okay, we get to Cape May. Everybody makes it around the turn. You're in the Hudson and now we're together again. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Kim is saying hello. Um, Hi, Kim, Bob. Was Kim part of the 2018 oh, fleet with you? Remind me her yeah. name. Yes. She was on Happy Destiny. Yes. 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 Hi, Kim. It's, it's good to see you out there. And she's kind um, of in so, down in the Sarasota area. Yep, yeah, they, ah. they live down there now. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So tell us, you know, some of your favorite memories of your first loop. Hmm. <laughs> this one is really emotional for me. Um, my dad was in the Air Force and he's still alive, but he has real short-term memory, memory loss. Yeah. But his long-term memory is amazing and when we were going down the rivers one of the stops obvious stops is columbus mississippi and that is where he trained for the air force before i was born and we were sitting in the marina and we were in the flight path for the t6s when they were doing training and i called my dad and talked to him about it and it's one of the best conversations i've had with my dad for a long time because he talked, he just lit up and he talked about flying there and then going to Texas when he did bomber school and because he was in the Korean War. And it was just something I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah, what a great memory. Ken, anything from you? Any, uh, you know, things that stand out from the first trip? From the first trip? Um, that's out i i guess i'm not a city person you probably get that uh, karen drug me to the cities uh i'm still not a city person but 
I, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with Chicago. Uh, Washington, D.C. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recommend that side trip to, to anybody. Uh, go up the Potomac. Go up the Potomac and get to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stayed at the uh, uh, Washington, D.C. The DC Capital, Capital, Capital Yacht Club. Club. Mm-hmm. And they treated us like we were members. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was yeah, great. great. Yeah. But to just go to D.C. and see the monuments and see uh, a few of the museums. And uh, it, it, it was... A, it was rather moving, and, and like I, I um, Arlington Cemetery, and Arlington Cemetery was oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and Alex uh, chimed in. Um, this was during Karen's story. That was a great story that you shared um, with that that conversation with your dad, where he remembers the training. Um, it was really like another little piece of that was. Um, Bert, I don't know the name of his boat, but he was single-handing on uh, Grady White. On a Grady White. And he was retired Air Force also, and he had trained in Columbus and was there when we were there too. So it was fun to be able to share with him what I was feeling with my dad and that kind of stuff. So it was so really neat. We we had a car there, I think. Uh, I know we no, we, we used the, the rental car, or the, the, the loaner. The loaner car, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Bert was there, and I said, well, we're going to go out and and find some barbecue. And he goes, he says, I'd really like to go and just see what's still here. He said there's Our a couple. Our old haunts. Yeah, he said there's a couple places I'd really like to see if they're still here. So we drove around, and we, we saw, you know, some of the places, his old haunts, bars and restaurants. And we ended up at a little place, and uh, a little barbecue mm-hmm. place. And we kind of did the loop. Uh, 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 breweries and barbecue, yeah. <laughs> uh, or distilleries or wineries, it really didn't much matter, you know. There were cocktails involved everywhere, yeah, that's right. right. Uh, and we walked in, and and um, he says, Well, this is a real barbecue place. And uh, I said, So, how do you know? And he said, Well, at Southern Barbecue, he says, One, you'll have checkered tablecloths, uh, you'll have white bread under the barbecue. So you can mm-hmm. sop up all the juice when you're done. Yep. And he says, you'll have some sort of a religious symbol on mm-hmm. the wall. And he says, that Elvis statue over there, that 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 works. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. You know, these are the kind of relationships you get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the things you do. Oh, hi, Kent. Hi, Kent. <laughs> hey, Kent. Kent. How are you? Those were um, some of the very first loopers we met. Mm-hmm. Um, before we looped in 2017, we were going to the Bahamas and we met them in Fort Myers and they went mm-hmm. to the Bahamas with us, um, in their boat at the time, rising tide with one eye dog and yeah, with one eye dog. And, mm-hmm. um, they really were instrumental, I think, in us choosing to do the loop. Convincing they, us that we should just, do it. They were yeah. very encouraging. They did it in a sailboat. In 1314, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and told a story about turning the corner off the Mississippi and going up the, the Ohio. And they were running with a trawler and they couldn't make it. <laughs> they couldn't fight the current. And the guy mm-hmm. in the trawler turned around and came back, hooked up to him and <laughs> yeah. towed him through the lock. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good looping spirit of assistance yeah, there. It's everywhere. Uh, it is. Yeah. Help out yeah. Where you you- can. You know, people you have both problems, um, and I'm a pretty good mechanic, and, you know, I'm always willing to 
take a look rather than calling somebody in. Let me look at it before you call a mechanic. (laughs) That's one of the great things about loopers is their willingness to help. And and Ken and Karen are no exception, of course, to that. Um, You did mention the loaner car, um, the courtesy car in Columbus. (laughs) Have you, um, because that's one thing that did change during COVID and I'm wondering if it's changed back, but during COVID, a lot of marinas were not allowing the loaner car, the courtesy car to be used um, for fear of, um, you know, not being able to clean it thoroughly between uses. Right. So is that, what's the current status or have you even tried to use loaner cars? We've seen it. We've, we've had it. Uh, I uh, think we've only had one. So one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised as we turn the corner and get up into the, up into the Erie that we'll maybe mm-hmm. see more of them. Maybe not. Maybe they know. just use that opportunity to get rid of them. I don't know. Uh, in 18, we, we, uh, we joked with the loopers that, you know, we were keeping track of, of the worst loaner car. How many, how many things didn't work and how many idiot lights were on on the dashboard yeah. in the loaner car? And, and um, I think we were, where you broke your foot? Uh, Demopolis. Demopolis probably. Yeah. That car was a bomb. <laughs> and they, they, Demopolis had this thing that you could use the loaner car, you could have it for an hour and a half, but you had to stop at a gas station, the gas station coming back, mm-hmm. and put 50 cents worth of gas in it. They wanted a dollar in it, but you could never get, you could never get, <laughs> the thing was like, and get a receipt. Get a, you would walk inside and the guy would go, here. I know, <laughs> yeah, I know you need a receipt. <laughs> so what, um, we have about a little bit more than five minutes left. So again, if, if anyone watching on Facebook has any questions, feel free to type those into the comments and we'll answer what we can. Um, but Karen and Ken with one and a half or so loops down, um, what advice would you give to others who are you know, currently you know, maybe still dreaming or, or actively planning for starting the loop sometime soon? Well, I'll start with something right mentioned earlier is that before we did it, we consciously tried to put to words why we wanted to do it, because I think that helps you set a baseline for how you're going to approach it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that helped us kind of know what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. Um, Captain has another idea (laughs) or an additional idea. An additional idea. Um, I think really since we've been boaters all our lives, but I mean, this is the biggest boat we ever owned. Uh, but our friends, Rick and Rocky, I mean, we've been out on their boats, the 36 and a 40 trawler and, uh, their friends and our friends now that we boated with for years. Uh, but if you never, if you go out and you buy a 50 foot boat and the biggest thing you've ever run around in is a runabout 19 foot, you know, bow rider, do yourself a favor, spend the money, hire the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to learn by braille and you don't want to be the show and you don't want to be the show <laughs> because there'll be enough opportunities for those of us who have docked hundreds and hundreds of times to be the show ourselves and a new boater without any idea what they're doing is you can be a show and you don't want to be that. You don't want to hit the dock. You don't want to hit another boat. You don't want to get out of control. And 
and also to know the systems and to know the, the systems in the boat i mean mm -hmm. i know people that have bought the boat in fact i was reading today and somebody had said well we've had the boat for a year we're still trying to figure out mm -hmm. some of the things on how they work on the boat well a good captain can do that for mm -hmm. you and and even an insurance now that it, that is another thing that's become very very tough to get now uh even not necessarily for us uh we went to boat us two years ago because we wanted to go do the berries and the exumas and in the bahamas, uh, in the bahamas and uh, progressive didn't cover it uh and they didn't ask any questions but i'm really expecting to get uh they're both 21 years old we're going to mm -hmm. get a survey you know mm -hmm. it's going to come <laughs> yeah. but but that's my idea on it <laughs> and that great advice because everyone really needs to be confident and competent in handling the boat and knowing the systems and and hiring a captain is a great shortcut to that if you don't want to you know spend the time on your own to get to that point and karen i loved your idea because it's not something i hear often um and it really is uh i can see where that would really help you set priorities on what you want to see and do and and things like your cruising preferences that we talked about so right. thanks for sharing that um, we did have several questions just kind of pop in so okay. um this one's easy to answer uh alex is wondering if y'all are headed to the pig roast pig roast <laughs> Yep. And again, that's that's at Donovan Shady Harbor this weekend. So thank you to Brian and Kathy Donovan for hosting that. Um, and Kent is hoping you're going to do the Chattanooga side trip when you come on through. <laughs> A Rangers well, 27 is waiting. <laughs> yeah, we did Chattanooga last time. So priority this time is to do Nashville. And if we have time, we'll do Chattanooga again because we love Chattanooga. That was a great yeah. trip. That, that river is another gorgeous trip. Yeah. Those side trips on the rivers are awesome. So many people rave about uh, the Tennessee River in particular, mm -hmm. but lots of the side trips. Um, this one's hard to answer. Um, there, uh, Matt and Tracy asking for boat recommendations, um, originally thinking trawlers. So, of course, you have your Bayliner, um, which... I know you are very pleased with for the loop. So maybe just kind of tell us again what it is about the Bayliner that makes it the right boat for you. Um, we love the interior space. We have a 14 foot beam. And if you're able, it has fairly narrow gunnels on the outside. So most of that 14 feet is inside. So we have a lot of living space inside. We have a flybridge with an upper helm and a lower. And we also have a lower helm. Um, so for us, this is a great size, uh, like Ken talked about, we had various couples come and share time with us on the boat while we did the loop and we were not uncomfortable with that. We like being able to go fast to outrun weather, but not always, um, or, <laughs> you know, um, sometimes if the water's just a little bit choppy, she rides better at a fast speed than going like this through the waves so mm -hmm. to have that option we really really would not trade that um i'd like to have a real pilot house yeah but that's mm -hmm. just me yeah if we <laughs> but could i wouldn't change... trade my flybridge for it yeah. i wouldn't yeah if we could change anything about the boat we would have a, a pilot house i think but um for us to be able to go fast when we want to we rarely do but it's nice to have the option yeah. And for anyone who's watching who joined us um, a little bit late, 
lots of details about Ken and Karen's vote right at the beginning. So if you go back and watch the replay, um, first five or 10 minutes, we talked uh, in, in a lot of detail about their vote and some of the specs of Island Girl. So mm -hmm. you can check that out and see that. Um, Greg would like to know if you had any unforeseen expenses um, that we might look out for. And that's going to vary greatly case by case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but any specific it, expenses it, it, that it, you encountered that you didn't expect and, and also, you know, kind of maintenance items to 20, do prior to a 20-year-old boat on mm -hmm. a 6,000-mile trip. You're going to have maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't, yeah. you got very lucky. Yeah. Uh, we bought mm -hmm. the boat with 950 hours on it. Had about uh, 1,100 when we started the loop put 700 on it. Uh, we made about 400 miles and a turbo gave out on us. It started blowing oil all over the place. So being who I am, we're going to replace them both, which I did personally, but I had to air them in to get to get the turbos two days. We were in Cocoa Village. We no sooner left Cocoa Village and the alternator on the starboard motor went, which charges my house batteries. Uh, it went, so I had to two-day air that out of California. And then we got to... Southport. This South, is all in 2018. This is all in 18. This mm -hmm. year, the boat's been... Yeah, but we got to Southport. We got to Southport. We had a bad vibration and a weird noise. We pulled it out in Southport, um, and uh, it needed cutlass bearings. Mm -hmm. After that... She was fine. Yeah. The rest, the rest of 5,000 miles, she never gave us a lick of problem. Change the oil and move on. So we think a <laughs> lot of you. that was um, age. age, you know, is just some things had reached their life <laughs> capacity, you know, but um, realized too, yeah, like you said, three oil changes in the course of the year because of the distance that you're traveling and the hours that you're putting on the boat. Um, so it's always fine finding a place that you can do an oil change and they will take your oil. Yeah. But fortunately <laughs> my mechanic does all the work mm -hmm. himself. So that saves us money. And Thank if, goodness. And if you're a mechanically inclined, do everything that on it you can mm -hmm. because yeah. at $125 an hour plus travel time, Mechanics are expensive. <laughs> plus if you can do it yourself, you're not waiting on somebody. <laughs> you're not having to find somebody. Um, and you learn more and more about the boat. The more you can you do, do. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always going to be little things like, you know, the toilet won't flush or there's know, always something. The windshield wipers don't work or the steering wheel fluid is falling out or, you know, there's always we, something. We, we have a saying, we have a saying, just, just the two of us. And we, we share it with a lot of loopers mm -hmm. as I'm sitting here having a drink. Something mm -hmm. is breaking on the boat. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but something is breaking on the boat. <laughs> I love that. And I think that is a, a great place to wrap it up for today. We're out of time. Um, but that was, like I said, a great way to wrap it up because so very true. <laughs> it's a boat and things will break. Um, yeah. But as as is very clear from talking with Karen and Ken for the last hour, it's still a joy. Um, you it know, they obviously have enjoyed looping. They're on their second loop. We wish you um, safe cruising. And lots of fun all the way through. And hopefully I'll catch up with you again on the way. Yeah. Maybe we'll see you uh, at never know. Frog. <laughs> yeah, frog. But thanks for your time today. We appreciate you sharing your stories and your information with us. It's really been a lot of fun. And thanks to everyone who has watched it on Facebook. We do these every two weeks, um, but we are actually, uh, the next one is going to be three weeks from today due to some vacation schedules um, at the Homeport Group. So we thank you for being with us 
Enjoy the pig roast this weekend. Tell everyone we said hi. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.